0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises.
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get merging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch, and I have a question for you. What defines excellence? This is such an important question for those of us in business who are trying to create a sustainable competitive advantage. And on today's show, we're going to have Billy Allen and Jordan Smelt, two award winning restaurateurs from the cakes and ale family of restaurants. And as you know, restaurant business is a tough business. And so I'm really glad to have them on the show with us to talk about how they compete. So, welcome to the show, Jord- uh, Jordan and Billy. Thank you. morning. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah. So you can find out more about Cakes and Ale, read Billy and Jordan's bios at CEOExclusiveRadio.com. For the moment, though, Billy, can you tell us about your approach to excellence at Cakes and Ale and how you think about competing in a wildly vicious competitive industry?
2: Yeah. The restaurants are super competitive, but one of the most important things that we focus on as a group is consistent quality, quality being kind of a broad term. So we break quality into every aspect of the business. Food from where, how we source it, how we treat it, how we teach the cook to handle it. Um, service, probably the most important aspect. How do we teach our servers to serve the guest? How does the interaction between the servers and the kitchen work? Uh, beverage, which Jordan's in charge of. How do we offer people something that's interesting, makes sense cost-wise, but most importantly, tastes good? Mm. And you focus on each, every aspect, and there's several other small ones that go into it, but every aspect and say, what can we do and can we get a competitive advantage in each single one? And the competitive advantage for us is making sure that all of these individual parts of our business are really well thought out, really well executed. Hmm.
1: I, I also know in the restaurant business, creating an experience for your customers is really important as well. Maybe some other businesses don't have to focus as much on the customer experience. but Both Jordan and Billy, tell me, how do you think through your branding and creating a, a experience for people when they walk into your establishment?
0: Well, to uh, along with Billy's point, it's kind of, you find a way to excel in, in every phase of, of, a, of the restaurant business. To his point, there's, there's food, uh, beverage, and service. Those are three. And nowadays, um, guests are really looking for, when they walk into a restaurant, to feel something. Yeah. Um, tangible. They can wrap their head around, okay. I'm in a, I'm, and that's part of the experience now is being able to deliver that fourth phase, which is look and feel and touch um, something tangible when a guest walks in the door. Is it warm? Is it inviting? Is it is it neighborly? Is the word that we like to use a lot at, at Cakes and L in, in Decatur. The new restaurant, Bread and Butterfly in, in Inman Park, great response to it in terms of look and feel. A little bit of Paris. It's very Parisian. It's um, I've had um, colleagues mention that it doesn't. F- it's one of the only restaurants in Atlanta right now that feels like a departure from Atlanta, which I had to think about that for a second. I was like, what do you... Uh, so it is something... Guests nowadays are looking for that fourth piece of the puzzle, which is a little bit of wow factor in terms of just the environment, details, aesthetic. It's very important right now. So a lot of restaurants that you see now that are going up are beautiful. I think in the last uh, five six years, some of the most beautiful restaurants Atlanta's ever had have been have been built. So that's definitely another aspect.
1: And Billy, you want to weigh in on on how do you create that visceral reaction for people when they interact with with your restaurant and with your brand.
0: Yeah, I think
2: the feel when you walk in has to almost nail it. If you walk in and it doesn't feel like you're out, it's the experience doesn't start off, so we start from behind a little bit. Most importantly, on top of what Jordan said, is we do want people to feel welcome. So the environment can't be stone cold, the environment can't feel unwelcoming, even if it's beautiful. It has to have a welcoming aspect to it which a lot is the training with the staff. When you get to the door, is someone welcoming at the door or um, does someone acknowledge that you've walked in the door immediately, which unfortunately doesn't happen all the time in a lot of restaurants, um, or a warm yeah, welcome. I know. you know. So <laughs> so we, we, we really focus on Cakes and O Open nine years ago and it was a neighborhood restaurant, a Decatur neighborhood restaurant. It's grown a little bigger than that. Um, it's now partially a destination restaurant, but it's still partially a neighborhood restaurant, a Decatur restaurant. So we don't want to, when we moved locations, we didn't want to go away from that, but we wanted to make it a little more um, exciting when you walked in the door, for lack of better words. Um, Bread and Butterfly, we had the opportunity to do that, a location that would transport you somewhere. But we never lost the focus on the inviting aspect of the building or the or the build out or the warmth of the build out.
1: One thing I'm very curious about, how do you get your staff to be inviting when they don't feel like being inviting, which often in the restaurant business <laughs> you can tell when somebody's had a bad day and I know even for people who are providing service, who are listening to the show, you know, you have to deal with like people are where they are. So what's what's your coaching that you give your staff about being inviting and and consistently inviting no matter what's going on in in, in the environment.
2: Yeah, I can tell you from the hiring, we usually do a lot of the hiring and Jordan does a lot of the training of the staff. When I hire people, I'm not looking for an immense amount of experience. A little experience is good. It is, I'm looking for somebody that is a good conversationalist during the interview, someone that is interesting in some way. Um, someone that is friendly and smiles. If you can do that in an interview, which is very hard, the first interview, I feel like when you approach a guest, um, it's a little more natural. And we want people to be natural. We'll teach you the x's and o's of what you're doing, um, but you have to be natural, naturally friendly.
1: Let's go back to something you mentioned a couple minutes ago, which is that you started the business nine years ago. That was the in the in the bowels of the Great Recession. I can only wonder what that must have been like. And we talked, you know, we're talking about competitive advantage and differentiating yourself. Like, how could you get people to come to a restaurant in a crowded metro Atlanta neighborhood when they're looking at being able to pay their mortgage in many cases?
2: Yeah, we started the process prior to the Recession being announced, I think everyone felt something going on. You knew something was happening, but since we don't know recession is occurring till after it's already in full swing, there's nothing was going to stop us. We had no option. Everything was barrel rolling towards an opening. You so had already
1: burned your boats the, we, on the
2: shore. We were yeah we 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 forged a path and had no turning back. So we opened the restaurant the day we opened. The original cakes and ale almost nine years ago was the day they announced a recession. (laughs) So you turn on the TV, and it says the U.S. economy is officially in a recession. That doesn't make you feel super confident. But what we knew we had to do was just follow the plan. And the plan was open, become a neighborhood restaurant. It was very, very affordable, um, actually too affordable. We kept prices artificially low for the first year because we knew we were competing for the small amount of dollars people were setting aside for eating. The good part about opening a restaurant is the excitement. People sometimes forget they may be budgeting. They were excited. New restaurant in Decatur, so our neighborhood, which Decatur is a fairly sizable small city, they were excited to try a new place, so for the first several months, regardless of the economic conditions, the excitement of a new place was uh, I think overwhelming to the thought that, wow, we may not have the dollars to spend
1: mm-hmm. I, I'm a strategist, so I love the word plan Plan is like you know music to my ears. Tell me about your approach to figuring out how what your runway was, which I know in in businesses, especially you think about cash flow and different shifting economics and things like that that must have been a very important understanding of how much runway you had and how how much you could how much loss you could afford to take for how long to make it work
2: yeah i think restaurants are the ultimate non-business school business plan <laughs> um, margins are extremely low hiring is hard it's it's unfortunately kind of a woe is me type story but
1: But obviously, you got it. You got that calculation right. Because if you had either discounted too much or didn't know how long you had, or whatever, things wouldn't have turned out the way they did. We just
2: knew we had to stay open long enough. Everything in today's world moves so fast. And I felt like this recession moved very quickly through, and the recovery is clearly underway or has been underway. We're not going to know how far until later. Because it's all going to come, you know, we're going to run the numbers and figure out, like, okay, we actually recovered way before we thought we did. We knew we had excess money from the original investment we put into it. It was all ourselves, my wife, myself, and family money. Wow. And it was a very simple restaurant. It didn't. It wasn't like the extravagant restaurants that you see. This was super simple. Um, four walls, a bar, and a kitchen. But we knew if we stayed consistent... And good food. And good food. If we stayed consistent, we offered the guests what we promised them and made it affordable and made it welcoming. And we were very, very lucky early on to hire an amazing staff. Uh, I can't even explain. There's no economic terms except people wanted to come into the restaurant to see our staff. Their economic impact as people was very, very big. So we just stayed the stayed the course of keep everything the level of everything we do high and surprise people that when you walk in you don't expect this little restaurant early on a critic said it's a little restaurant that could um, we just every day just went through it now we ran a kitchen with only 3 employees at the time my dad washed dishes for the first 2 weeks and i had 3 employees otherwise Go dad. yeah so <laughs> having that low labor cost helped help greatly. But we just, we kept the course, made things a little bit different, exciting for people. It was, to me, simple food, what I had learned to do. But for a lot of guests,
0: it was exciting food. Um, I can speak to that a little bit as a, because for the first four years of Cakes and ales existence, I was a guest. It was my favorite place to go uh, for a number of reasons.
1: Have Were you in the restaurant business before?
0: Yes. Oh, wow. So I was working at a, at a at uh, holman and finch in buckhead which also opened in 2008 i mean maybe a month or two maybe a month before cakes and ale opened in 2008 very close together one of my owners introduced me to cakes and ale started going at least once a week and just fell in love with food the the experience the fact that uh every time i went uh the faces were consistent billy was always there which really spoke to me because i hadn't experienced um going to a restaurant and having the chef owner be there every single night, which spoke volumes to me. And when I decided to make a change, it was a short list of where I wanted to go. It was really the only name on the list. But to Billy's point, I think restaurants are so difficult to open. And I think uh, a lot of owners get in trouble immediately because they, if they're not immediately full and busy, they will panic and start changing things fast. And I think that's a recipe... A bad recipe for a new restaurant is to immediately start tweaking, changing lunch, you know, shortening our hours, extending hours. Um, I think that that's a slippery slope. And you see it a lot of times at new restaurants. If they're not immediately full and busy and the volume isn't what they expected, they'll start changing things. And changing things too quickly is you're going to confuse your guests. And when you start confusing people, they're not going to trust you. They're not mm-hmm. going to come in. Um, so that it, I think the fact that they were doing what they were doing, Billy was always there. The staff was more or less the same front of house uh, f- for the first two, three years um, is uh, one of the main reasons uh, that I think it has proved to be one of the most successful restaurants in the city. It really set itself up well um, in that way. It was the same, actually, uh, the first few years I was at Holman as well. The staff uh, was the, very much the same for the first two three years.
1: Mm. Well, folks listening, we're talking to Billy Allen and Jordan Smelt, two restaurateurs from the Cakes and Ale family of restaurants in Atlanta. Question for you, Jordan: On that, on that, is how do you know then when it's time to change? So, to abstract a little bit from that, for listeners who are often business owners are running their own companies. Sometimes it's good to stay the course and sometimes you need to make a change because something's not working. In your case, how does someone know or how does you know, a restaurant know that what they're doing is not working? What are the signs?
0: There uh, can be a number of things. You, you have to give things enough time. What's enough time? It's situational, I would say. Um, if, if a staff member isn't working out, you know fairly quickly. Good front-of-house team members adapt to their environment quickly um, and are very comfortable in a new situation fast. A good outgoing server or bartender you know immediately within the first few days that they're there, if they're going to be great or not. I would say most often. (laughs) In terms of if a wine isn't working out, I'll know it pretty quickly too. A lot of times I'll, you can, and I'm sure Billy can speak to this with food, Every once in a while, you take a risk with a with a dish or, a, in my instance, a wine or a cocktail that I'll use the word challenging for the guest. It's a little bit outside of we, we, Bill and I will both will push the envelope at times, push guests out of their comfort zone a little bit, offer something that's a little bit um, unknown, or uncomfortable, uncomfortable meaning lack of familiarity, and sometimes those don't work out immediately, and you're scratching your head, you're going, "Man, I but I'm." I really love this. I'm really passionate about it. It's up to us and our, our staff a lot of times to communicate that. The, the main thing, as we talked about earlier, what's a good front of house employee? A good front of house employee is a good communicator, first and foremost. That's the number one uh, aspect that they need to have. But if something just uh, a dish or a wine or a cocktail isn't working out, you know pretty quickly, mm. honestly, a matter of days if, um, if it's not going to be. What you thought it would be, I would think. But he changes the menu so fast. I don't know if he even has an opportunity to know if it just didn't work because he changes the menu every day. I think knowing,
2: in Jordan's case, knowing when to leave his job that we met him at and coming to Cakes and Ale, you know, it's sometimes like saying, when do you know you're in love? You know, we knew he liked the restaurant. I knew I well, needed... Well, he was coming every week. He's coming every week. <laughs> True. Um, I didn't talk to him for I don't know how many years, but I... You just I, thought
1: he was a, a guest who liked the restaurant?
2: No, I knew he was there. I acknowledged he was there, but I was pretty focused on my job, which yeah. was cooking, running out to the dining room and checking on the staff in the front of the house, going back to cook, coming back out. It was a very... Uh, a lot of miles were put on um, my tennis shoes at that time but i think you don't know when you're in love you just fall in love and i think jordan liked the restaurant i knew he had done some good things at holman and finch Um, his bosses spoke nothing but elations about how good he was uh, at what he did and how good he would be to help focus my wine list which i ran for years and it was a very fun wine list. It was Eurocentric wine. It challenged people, which I think was exciting for guests. It was scary, not in a, you know, horror movie way, but scary for guests to try a, a, a French wine from the Loire Valley at the time. But when we moved to our bigger location and my responsibilities grew, I still tried to do it. It was impossible to do. I thought I could do it. I couldn't do it.
1: Well, that's good for you to recognize.
2: And... Somehow we got in touch. I heard he was looking for something new. His boss has said, This young man has a wine brain that would blow you away. Like he knows more about wine than most people, his two times his age, with two times the experience. We always wanted to be in general wine centric restaurant. Um, we have cocktails. We have beer. We have great cocktails. We have great beer. But wine has always been our, our focus because of the style of food we do. It works the best. So we sat down and we talked about um, what we were looking for, what we were doing. I think he was interested in a change somewhere he could focus on his passion, which was wine. The meeting of the minds worked and he came over. You know. So I don't know if he knew he wanted to leave Holman and Finch because he didn't like it, I think he was like, it's time for me to take the next step in life and find something that makes me a little happier.
1: Mm-hmm. This this notion of the team and building the team that then will help grow the business and, and grow your vision, I think is so important. And we talk about it a lot on the show. One question that I have for you, Billy, is how, how are you thinking about continuing to progress in your growth as a A business owner and as a chief executive and eventually thinking about like exiting like how has that happened because i know that so many ceos and business owners are so involved in the business right like you were there every day for the first four years everybody saw you like how is that gonna work for you to kind of grow to the point where you can begin to release it and maybe even think about an exit strategy um (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm thinking about it right now. I'm still extremely active, especially at Cakes and o. Almost every single day, but for the first seven years of operation, it was every single day. Uh, when we had the plan to open the new businesses, the bake shop in uh, Inman Park, Proof Bake Shop, and Bread and Butterfly in Inman Park, the notion that I'm going to be forced out of the kitchen to see and go to these places is going to force me to hire people to fill my shoes when I'm not there. When I was there I didn't need someone there to take my place. So I didn't need the executive sous chef or the the higher level cook in the or chef in the kitchen with me. Over time as my responsibilities grew at the new restaurant and I had to look at other ways of developing business not just consistently cooking And serving people well, but having to do events and do other things and get out of the kitchen, I realized I'm going to have to hire that that person. I always had a very talented kitchen. We consider ourselves a teaching kitchen. Every job, if you don't teach to me, is the most boring job. So we've always taught people how to do things, um, and not just our way, but what we consider the right way. So we've developed talent from within. We've promoted from within. As soon as we opened Bread and Butterfly. I had to make sure I had staff at all places that could manage if I weren't there. Um, and it was a very, it's a little nerve-wracking because you want to be in control, but it also allowed me to finally relax. And this this last year is the first time I've really spent a ton, ton of time with my family, really the last, I guess, 16 months. That must be gratifying. Uh, it's the best thing ever. I've. Uh, two young sons that unfortunately the third child cakes and ale took most of our t- my time so uh, the exit strategy i don't know if there is an exit strategy this is what i do this is all i i do i have a prior career a prior life in a different career but this is all i know this is what we're going to do um we're definitely done opening restaurants we're I don't know if we're vertically or horizontally integrated, but we're integrated. We have a bake shop that provides baked goods for both of our businesses um, and sells themselves. We have uh, an awesome beverage manager that manages the beverage at the two restaurants. Um, We can switch things back and forth. We have cooks that can go back and forth. So we're integrated in a way that hopefully over time is going to make us more efficient, and that efficiency is cross our fingers – what will bring us to a reasonable profitability. Mm -hmm. Um, It won't be a high profitability in any way, but restaurants aren't, but something reasonable, something that we can also provide for our staff, um, healthcare, better than competitive wages. um, Because the key is, and again, on the staffing, is longevity. Can Can we work together for a long time? And in most restaurants, the long time is less than a year. Wow. In our restaurant, a short time is a year. As that develops and people get better, I can then go do other things, um, events and promotions and, and things that I never thought I would have to do or I wanted to do, but have become necessary in this business.
1: Mm. So on this team team question, certainly working in the restaurant business is a stressful, stressful business. And then starting a a business in the recession must have been stressful. How do you approach working in close quarters, three people in the kitchen together, during stressful periods? And how do you deal with conflict? Um,
2: I'll start just on the kitchen side, my little front of house side. Early on when I was in the kitchen and everything was falling on my shoulders, which I chose to do and 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 took it on bravely my stress level was extremely high um but i think when people saw that the the passion was there and the the drive to move forward and in in the end always fairness people stuck with some sometimes what uh, people see chefs do on TV. Um, <laughs> no throwing things, none of that, but just a high level of stress that was very apparent.
0: Um, Gordon Ramsay.
2: Gordon yeah, it,
1: I, I was going to say, yeah, I yeah, was going to yeah, go yeah, there.
2: Yeah. Not quite as far, but I, I could see how and why he does it. Um,
1: <laughs> One or two fat words at various points.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, I would. This is probably the longest I've gone without a crass word in a long time. Yeah. So. Um, but then once you hire people and you allow them to do what they do and you give them the freedom to create and be creative and not try to stranglehold them in doing it only your way, i.e. Jordan, a lot of pressure comes off. There's still the nerves of having a restaurant and and, and the tough business that we chose, but I've relaxed greatly. Anyone that's been with me or have known me since we opened the first Cakes and Ale to now would shake their head. Um, at how much I've relaxed about the business. You can never relax too much because you always have to be on top of it. But, you know, Jordan is a very relaxed person in general. So getting to know him and having him not only be a coworker but become a friend, in a way, it gives me a release. You know, uh, he's he jokes, he's funny. So if I'm pent up and something's bothering me, I know I can talk to him. He can talk to me about it and we can work through a problem together it's not just my problem anymore it's a restaurant's problem i can talk to jordan i can talk to my wife a couple other employees about it and then we have comic relief because we get along so
0: well billy jordan, probably yeah, the, the um, knowing him i wasn't there those first few years but i can picture it and someone that has the talent and the passion you know the, the funny thing is uh Chefs are creatives. It's a creative field. And um, you put a little bit of yourself into every plate that goes out of your kitchen. So you take it very personally. It's uh, And you take it very seriously. And so...
1: Yeah, chefs are really serious.
0: Serious guys. You know? Serious, serious. And so how he operates, where, it, it, where he has such an expectation of a high expectation of himself and, and also of the guests <laughs> and, and, and hoping that they enjoy everything, that is what leads to, uh, you know, elevated levels of stress in a chef is that they, they obsess over every detail of what you actually see in front of you. You have to eventually kind of back off a little bit, little by little, or uh, you'll go crazy because you, you simply, in a restaurant, can't control everything. It's just not possible. But I think one of the again one of the reasons why uh, Cakes and Yell has proven to be so successful is that the foundation, uh, in a culinary sense, was laid down uh, so firmly based on the fact that he was always present. That passion came through. You could taste quality. Uh, another thing that that uh, can seriously hinder a restaurant and ultimately lead to it not being successful is a lack of consistency consistency is paramount service in food um we've all had those experiences where it used to be good yeah. i used to like I going had that,
1: there i had that experience this saturday right. favorite, rest, favorite restaurant in the mm-hmm. city which will go nameless i'm like
0: what happened to that you know it's like oh i used to really like going there and the last time i went Ah, uh, the server wasn't very nice to me. That's exactly it's, what happened. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and it, there's so many um, things you can read and studies about what goes into a guest's experience, how they remember the beginning and the end more than the middle. How if the, everything can taste great, but if the service wasn't nice or you know something got missed, it destroys the whole thing psychologically. First impressions are incredibly important. Um, if you get off on the wrong foot with a with a table, then uh, you can lose them for the entire course of the meal. So knowing that, and knowing that you're going to have so many people coming in, it's easy to get completely wrapped up the smallest of details. But again, the fact that Cakes and Ale was very consistent, and I think has remained consistent, is one of the reasons why it is one of the best places in the city. Great.
1: As we close the show, I would love to hear what Plans? Do you have what's coming up? What's new and exciting at Cakes and Ale that you think our listeners should know?
2: Having three businesses now, we're just trying to stay on course, like I mentioned before. So we get excited at Cakes and Ale and at uh, Bread and Butterfly and Proof about season changes. We look at everything in micro moments, mm. and because we're such a seasonally driven restaurant for the the food and in Jordan's case, the beverage. Uh, we work very closely that the beverage and the food go in the same direction. So come cooler, I mean, I don't know when the cool weather is going to come, but no I, know it's, I know it's on, on <laughs> one the way. Day, one day. day. One day. I'm excited that we're going to have new produce coming in the door, and I'm excited to see what wines Jordan finds that are going to tell people, hey, fall's here. And then in the fall, we're going to get excited about the winter. And I'm going to be excited about what beverage, what wine, especially, Jordan says, this speaks winter to me. Um, So everything's in little short bursts. I can't think, you know, I want to have an exit plan one day, but I'm not thinking about it right now. We're just doing each business in little micro units. Great.
1: Thank you so much for being on the show, gentlemen. And thank you to everyone listening. On today's show, we had Billy Allen and Jordan Smelt from the Cakes and Ale family of restaurants. And we talked a little bit about differentiating yourself from your competition. On Thursday, we're going to have a blog that comes out recapping the key takeaways from today's show. And you can find that blog at CEOExclusiveRadio.com.
0: This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at AnonaEnterprises.com.